1: don't accept false trade-offs. Then this is more of like when you're having a conversation with someone or you're collaborating with them, at times two things can be right. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the
0: podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Today's We Are LA Tech shout-out goes to Dave Whelan. Dave, thank you so much for supporting and cheering on the We Are LA Tech community and podcast. Be sure to say hello to Dave on social on LinkedIn, D-A-V-E, last name. W-H-E-L-A-N He is just so cool building Rebel Labs. Rebel Labs is a leading science-based revolution in wellness arena encompassing mind body and spirit. They are teaching us how to build a healthy life and providing building blocks of knowledge from food to fitness and oh my God are they amazing. Tell me you found him via We Are LA Tech. Today's personal spot where do I even begin? <sighs> Sometimes life can be really confusing and frustrating. I think about the word success a lot and what it means to me. It's a really confusing word because in our American capitalistic society, it means how much money we have in our bank account. And in, you know, in reality, what success really is is how we show up in our character and, and how healthy we are. and living a life of joy. And it's this weird dichotomy between the two worlds of what we see on Instagram and what truly makes us feel whole behind closed doors in our private lives. By the way, if you hear sounds, I'm walking on the street. My, <laughs> my key broke off in my car this morning on my way to try to maintain two workouts a day. <laughs> I drove to the to the exercise place, and I was three minutes shy, and they couldn't let me in. It's been one of those mornings. Anyway, I just keep thinking about all these amazing, you know, founders that I really admire who have just really, like on on the book jacket, have like hit it out of the park. I mean, people like the podcast host of Diary of a CEO, it's just like, wow, you know, just, I don't know. And it it just feels like we're always up against this timeline of success. And then you hear about, you know, people like the podcaster, Rich Roll, who had to rediscover himself. I think it was at 45 and reinvented him himself into this, you know, health machine and apparently was in the best shape of his life like at that time and you know not till 45 and then this other guy um that he interviewed had cancer at I think it was like somewhere between 60 to 69 I can't remember and and because of cancer he turned vegan and he's like running marathons and he's now lived past 100 and I don't know this word success it's It's such a confusing word, and to live a life that's truly fulfilled and joyous, I think is sometimes just confusing what that means, and maybe it's just about ebbing and flowing and just showing up to the best of our ability. I I watched an interview this morning of a girl who was still working while in labor, I mean, If that's what she enjoys, you know, I don't know. This word success, it's such a peculiar word that really like F's with our minds and with our sanities and remember I'm outside. (laughs) So I don't know, that's what I'm musing about this morning. Enjoy the next episode. We are LA Tech Podcast, celebrating LA Tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest. Welcome, Fred. Hello.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Esprit for having me.
0: I'm so excited. Not only are you our next guest, but you are also our upcoming podcast guest host.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'm excited. I think this is a wonderful opportunity. I feel like what this podcast does to spread the word of LA Tech, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Super grateful for you giving me the opportunity. I'm I'm excited.
0: I'm so excited for you to be a part of the whole mix. Today is focused on your company, Flourish Factory. So excited to talk about it. Absolutely. Let's jump in. But before we get started, where in LA are you based?
1: I'm actually based downtown.
0: And are you originally from L.A.?
1: No, I'm not originally from L.A. I'm originally from um, north of Boston, Lynn, Massachusetts. Shout out to anyone from Lynn, Massachusetts listening to this. I lived in Um, Back Bay. Did you really? Yeah. Okay, okay. I (laughs) I love that. I love that, right? And so I'm born and raised in Lynn, Massachusetts. Spent some time in Boston. I lived in Alston. Then I was was in the Bay for about four to five years. And during the pandemic, came down to L.A. um, I like to say it was a lot of life and love that brought me to um, L.A. And um, I never left. I haven't left since, though.
0: So. And would you say that LA is the best city to build a tech company, or does it just have certain advantages over other cities, and other cities have their own advantages?
1: My background's in talent acquisition, right? So when I think about, like, building in companies, I think that it's the, it's the, it's the latter, right? In L.A., you, I think there are certain companies that could easily build a lot faster, right? Where if you say the Bay, San Francisco, SaaS companies are just, like, just the bee's knees, right? We're in New York, there's a lot of fintech. So I think that, like, there are different advantages to that, and I think L.A., for me, I specifically wanted to come to L.A. because it made sense for what I was trying to build. And also just like, can you, you can go to the beach and the mountain in like, what, 30 minutes? You know, it's just like, it's just like, it's a beautiful place. And I think the quality of life L.A. too is also super dope. You know,
0: A lot of people ask me for the Women in Tech podcast. I've traveled to over 100 countries. And a lot of people ask, like, why don't you move somewhere? And I'm like, I've been to a lot of places. And it's not that I'm madly obsessed with L.A., but we have so much privilege when it comes to access. Mm -hmm. Like, we just have access. Any kind of food you want, any kind of workout you want, any kind of night life you want, any kind of nature you want. It's just like any kind of anything. It's yeah. like the smorgasbord of anything you want.
1: Exactly. There's so much variety here. And I think that's something that um I think I didn't ha- I didn't take as much as advantage of it in the Bay, but like since I've been in LA and having time to actually go out and see nature as much, right? And just like just being out. I mean um I'm a fine dining connoisseur now. You <laughs> know what I mean? I didn't have that before. LA LA expanded my palate. So I I just I appreciate it.
0: That's yeah. so cool. All right let's get into Flourish Factory. When did you create Flourish Factory?
1: It's interesting. So The Flourish Factory has been ongoing for like the last three years. Kind of rewind a little bit. I was I was working full time at Asana, um, talent acquisition, and kind of working on it. And before that, wait, uh,
0: let's tell people what Asana is. Let's okay. not make assumptions. Cool, yet. cool,
1: cool, cool. So Asana is a work management tool. Um, kind of uh, what we do is kind of help teams work together. And so I was working at Asana as a talent acquisition, um, and I was helping. I've helped scale out a couple teams um, at Asana. Before that, I had my own entrepreneur drill, dreams, and so I was looking for something to work on. I had started a company um, called the um, called Fuller Culture, like five. This is, like, 2015, 2016. Um, And it was all about, like, blogs. And this is, like, really realistically... um, The passion came out of, and you're going to find this funny, was, like, Trump's election. Trump's election was happening, and I really wanted to... have our own voice yeah for me and my friends yeah and so i was like i'm gonna start my own blog and so yeah. what happened was it, it caught up and this what a time to start a blog <laughs> yeah yeah it was just like well like if he's saying stuff then we should be able to say like our point of view and so it started to build out and um what happened with that was we had this brand that was going and then we had this company that was having that was doing blogs and websites and we were selling merch and i really didn't have a direction in there right and so i went to bu and i was like okay um I think I want to get my master's, but I'll check this program and I want to get into tech and I'm listening to podcasts. I'm like, I really want to push this, but I don't really have a real streamlined way to really monetize for the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on the path of trying to find um, monetize for the culture, I was like, okay, I want to move to the Bay. Like it was like this dream of like, I want to move to Silicon Valley and like kind of go get into tech. Yeah. And um, and in that time, um, I realized that with the blog and like kind of an online website and media sites, you had to do advertisement. You know, that was like the primary way. And so I didn't want to do that. But I was there was something interesting happening to the people that I was working with. Right. So a lot of like the people that were bloggers had become content creators. Right. And so like people weren't writing as much, but they were creating content on yeah, Instagram, yeah. they're creating their own pages. I was like, this is cool. Right. So I'm like seeing this evolution of almost like the internet as I like started this website. But the people that I'm working and serving for, their their priorities are changing. Right, right. So I was like, okay, like all right, so we can pivot a little bit. Um and then as like kind of a little bit this about twenty eighteen at this time, we're like, okay, we have now I know all these content creators but people are followings right people are doing these things but no one's really kind of monetizing at this point no one's really making money like the influencer word wasn't as heavy as it is now yeah yeah. right and so it was just like okay like you have a hundred thousand followers but like How do you monetize this? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? um, And what ended up happening was kind of for the culture, we kind of put it to bed. I started with a bunch of with both my cousin back home, my sister, and a lot of friends. And I was across the country at that point. And we were just like, hey, like, you know what? Let's kind of fold this. And so, but I still had to think in my head. Wait,
0: let's fold it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we folded for the culture. Yeah. So we folded. We were just kind of like, hey, you know, at that time, I think we had lost the passion for it. Mm. And at the same time, like, kind of the... um, realistically like kind of the times had changed a little bit right it's like the content that we were putting out had shifted and we needed to pivot and we just didn't have it right but i was still like hey there's something here now we have this community of content creators and people making these things online right and we literally saw this
0: happen right right
1: you know um and then i went through this accelerator um at impact hub in oakland and we were really trying to figure out how to monetize with um with with, with content creators and brands and something hit me it was like the thought process of like wow the internet went from like hey i'm just gonna go on here and put things up of like right, my right. family right to like now we have content creators that are making this like kind of videos that make you laugh that go viral right and then it changed to organizations need to make content yeah to sell things right yeah. so what we saw was that like a lot of these content creators you could have a Huge following, but like eventually you had to sell something, whether it be a service or product. Totally. Right? And so that was kind of where I started about two and a half years ago. I was like, okay, let's jump down this rabbit hole. Okay. You know, and what ended it's up actually happening actually a really was difficult
0: that, rabbit hole to yeah, jump down. Yeah. So yeah. the
1: rabbit hole, so I had to figure out like what, pers- what, what part of that rabbit hole did I really want to go about? Right. And I realized that like, there was this rise of people starting micro businesses, right? People just like really just starting off businesses that like these, and these are just specifically products, not yeah, services yeah. that are just like, Hey, I have a t-shirt company or, you know, I'm making and sh-
0: not courses and not
1: courses. Right. Okay. Just like, I'm making like, um, you have like an actual product that you go to a vendor fair that you sell right you started this business, like a bracelet or like something. a bracelet yeah. like um like it's really more clothing apparel yeah. right accessories and i was like okay like this is a thing and then during the pandemic you saw a couple of things happen you saw the rise of like marketplaces yeah yeah, yeah right yeah. like local marketplaces everyone was like yes yeah, and yeah. that was contributed to the fact of like over the pandemic there are over 2.8 million micro businesses started
0: really yeah god you know the deep sigh so I'm a side note, but it's totally yeah. relevant. So before we start recording, I told you I went to the locksmith yesterday yep. and it was a family owned business. Mm-hmm. It was a guy and his nephew and the guy owned it with his father as I was leaving, and it was, I had this amazing experience at the locksmith. And as I was leaving, I thought, man, are family owned businesses gonna exist now? Like are we moving in a direction where there's no capacity for family owned businesses because of the way our world is? And so when you say so many, you know, micro-businesses were started, I'm like, wait, there's hope. I think there is.
1: I, no, I definitely think there is. I, and then, so that's a lot of where the I see the energy going, right? I see the fact of, like, um, and also with the kind of, what well, they would call the great resignation of kind of, like, the shift that's happening. We have a lot of professionals that now want to start their own businesses, right? And at this point, it's kind of the easiest time you can ever start a business, right? You go on, you get a GoDaddy account. Yeah. Right? You get on LegalZoom real quick. Yeah. You got an Instagram page, and you're cooking yeah. with hot grease. <laughs> you know and so and so and so it's really seeing that aspect of it was like okay like now we have this overabundance of just kind of Businesses, yeah, right. And we have platforms like Etsy, and we have people that can try to sell on Amazon. Yeah. but like where's kind of like that quality control, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Or and at the same time, is there a platform that can kind of give you a little bit more directed and curated um, experience while you're shopping? Yeah, right. So if you're like, hey, I'm in LA, like I really want a bracelet and I'm going to this type of event, can we connect you with the local brand, but actually not just the brand but the yeah. product?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: that you can actually be like, hey, you know what, I actually enjoy this and support this, and then we can continue to build off that data on like, hey, here's some local brands and local products. That you can actually support.
0: I love this. Yeah. Wait, so tell me, tell us what exactly is Flourish Factory?
1: So, the Flourish Factory is uh, essentially where a curated shopping experience for local brands.
0: So, you're a marketplace? Yeah,
1: we're a marketplace, yeah.
0: And you feature local brands so anybody around the world can go and they could discover brands local to their city?
1: Yeah, so it'd be specific. So at this point, it's, it'd be local to your city, right? So we're growing it out because we feel like that's an important factor of it, right? It's like shopping local. The goal is to obviously get it to a place where we can off your data we can off of your shopping experience we can refer you to other brands that are just like small it's more of a micro than just local right it's like these are small companies that are just one to two people um typically i think about 75 percent of micro businesses make about like four thousand dollars a month right and so we're really have trying to have that peer-to-peer of supporting people right so right now we're focusing on local but the goal the the long-term goal is for you to be able to support just smaller brands right because i think that's important there and what i try to tell people is um the real vision isn't just to be like, hey, we want a marketplace that so we can make money in capitalism and we're going to find the next billionaire brand. Our goal is like, hey, there are people that are supporting their cell phone bills,
0: yeah. right? They're,
1: they can, they can, they can oh, get extra groceries, right? And yeah. so it's just like if we as a whole can now support each other peer to peer, right, um, I think that's going to be a beautiful mm. ecosystem.
0: I just think, like I told you, that energy leaving that mom and pop business, I felt like I felt seen and I felt like humanity existed there. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid—like that the pandemic like <laughs> wiped out
1: humanity. No, no, do you no, know,
0: no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, though? No, like I know what so you're many saying. small businesses couldn't survive the pandemic, and I'm like, no, it's like where the heart is.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, um, I think what we want to do at the Flourish Factory is like reimagine that. Yeah. Right. Because I think the small business doesn't look the same, right? Because they're kind of different. There are small businesses and they're a micro business. Mm. That's also a big difference, right? Yeah. The small that's business good point. is like kind of like your local place that's yeah. typically brick and mortar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's there. And then the micro business typically is someone that's like probably doing it maybe. Even compared to a side hustle, right? Yeah, where they're they're doing enough, and then they may want to take the leap to be mm-hmm. full time. Nice know? call out. You know? Yeah, and so I think that like with micro businesses, and what we're mainly focused on is a lot of micro businesses Got because it. a lot of micro businesses have the opportunity to scale into a bigger business, but they need that support, right? And so I think that there's going to be a next generation of our small businesses, yeah. and the local businesses, but they need a place to be fostered, they need a place to be grown. they need community, you know. And so that's what we're trying to build.
0: I'm curious, do you share the story of? The micro-business owners?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that, that's actually part of one of our tenants is, like, the storytelling of it, right? Um, and this is interesting because, like I said, that is where they need the most help. So I've spent the last year just on the phone, customer discovery calls, and chatting with these micro-businesses. And until what happened was the most, I think, iOS 10 update um, where they just couldn't – You could they actually – the ad dollars right they couldn't put the ad dollars they couldn't spread their message as much just because of what happened between um apple and facebook so now businesses are looking for places to tell their stories Mm. right and that's really their bread and butter right let's be honest you can have a a t-shirt brand you can have a clothing apparel brand but it's a story that we want to hear about right and so a lot of what we're doing is like collaborating with them on how to tell their story Mm. right but also adding them to like okay like if you sell shoelaces then we know someone that has really good sneakers yeah. and someone with socks so how do we paint the picture of like hey this is a really cool story it's go oh, all of you guys are from this area okay let's, let's build out a campaign in that realm you know
0: how do people get accepted into your marketplace is there an application process or can anybody just join so, so
1: it is an application process the goal is to be curated I think that's super important. There are a lot of marketplaces out there. Yeah, right? there are a lot of marketplaces that people can come on. You can sell your stuff, and that's not our goal. Our goal is to be a little bit more curated. So what we'll do is that we'll there's, there's, there's two ways. One, you can just apply, and then we'll just kind of take a sample of your product. We'll look at it. We'll, we'll ask you speaking with you, and we have just like some assessments of like what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and also just long term goal. Like, are you in this for this is a quick side hustle or is this something that you're really trying to build out? Right. I think yeah, that, yeah. like that's super important to us. So they also we'll go out and look for products. Mm. Right. So so we'll also go and we'll actually hunt and I spend a lot of time at different markets looking at different products being like oh I think that's really gonna that's really good or like that's really quality fabric or like, yeah. you know um, trucker hats are in so like let's look at trucker hat brands and see like how they're trending and who's doing the best one so then we can kind of put some things together so it's a variety of a mix right now I think that we're not we're trying to onboard people at this point but we want to do it with kind of a white glut service right
0: how many people are on your team
1: so right now the team is about it's about four of us it's about um, I'm full-time um, we have someone that I would say is probably about seventy five percent time yeah. <laughs> and yeah we have yeah. a bunch of like part time people, totally. and so it's been pretty cool. Um, I have a great community of advisors also that are really helping me. I mean, um, I think that I've just taken this on full time in the last two and a half months, so it's been interesting to kind of build um, again, my background is in talent acquisition, so it's like I've been kind of recruiting and having people that are like willing to like put into places and start stuff, but um, right now we're starting slow with just the four of us
0: and the reason I ask. So it's the four of you facilitating how many brands currently?
1: So right now we have in our portfolio about, so our pipeline, we have about about 400 brands. And within our portfolio signed, we have about about 20 to about 40 brands just in the middle kind of signing paperwork, we're onboarding, we're getting them, we're, we're sorting through their products. because Just because a brand is with us doesn't mean that we're going to be selling their product, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, what do you mean by that?
1: So what we mean by that is that like some some brands that will, they'll, they'll be part of the community, but they won't actually be on like in terms of like, they'll have 50 different products, but we'll, we may only sell like four or five of them.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. So you also curate which one of their products you would sell. Exactly. Interesting. And how many purchases have you had through the Flourish factory so far on the marketplace?
1: Okay, yeah, that's a great question. So we actually started off with our beta. So within our beta, we were able to open it up and we were able to get like three to 400 purchases um, for these different brands. That's me, a lot. Yeah. It was, but it was, so it's it's a funny thing because it's like an 80 20 rule type of situation, right? Yeah. Where it's like the print, it was just like, it was like three items, right? Yeah. <laughs> that like, wow. That like, that people, Hundreds
0: of people bought the yeah, same three yeah, items. Yeah, it's like, it's
1: like, it's like kind of those things, right? Yeah. And it was just like, and, and, and part of the secret sauce is understanding what people are buying, right? You know, so, so that's why we're curating it because we're kind of looking at like, kind of like, okay, like what is pretty popular. Right. And then like kind of then we have this portfolio of yeah. brands that we're able to be like, OK, like, you know, uh, these these rhinestone bracelets are popular. So yeah. That's where we should curate. And that's where we put kind of put some dollars by. Yeah.
0: How do people discover your site? Like, because the thing that I find hardest about your business, I feel like I don't know, I feel like sourcing the product is the easier side. Maybe it's not, I'm not sure. I just feel like that's essentially the core business model is creating a lot of relationships. But I don't know, there's so much logistics that I would never, I don't know anything about. And then on the other side is the side that so many of us have, whether we're a content creator or a marketplace or a new website. It's like, getting people to know we exist to yeah. make the purchases how how are you guys handling that as a team
1: so a lot of that is like really what we're trying to do for the business is really just in content right so it's like on Instagram um, sending messages i um, building on an email list it's really just trying to build out that community and leveraging also the brand's email list right so it's like kind of okay, yeah. like, hey, like this is what we're putting out oh, so cool. yeah so it, it's very organic I think that um, soon but not yet we'd like to do a couple things in real life that would also expand that so people can feel and touch our brand and other and the other brands but a lot of it is really just kind of social media kind of spreading the word we're we're on instagram um kind of newly leveraging tiktok and then at the same time now building out some opportunities with also with influencers
0: what's the biggest pain point that you specifically are most passionate about solving for
1: i think it, it well it's um it's a visibility thing right i think that like that's one of the biggest pain points that we have with these small businesses and like you said like they just can't they they can't expand right because they don't have the capacity to Right, and they need the support. So it's like it's a visibility thing. But also I think that for these for for a lot of these micro businesses, it's also community. Cause I realize that like some of these things are just simple questions that yeah. they have, right? That I'll spend like 20 minutes with and be like, oh, it's well, okay. Like, well, I, I know someone who's <laughs> yeah. who, who does that. Or I just literally just spoke to another brand yeah. that has that problem. Totally. You know, and so I think that like that is where I, I kind of like found myself in there is like one helping be visible, right? Um, the second is like just joining that community, and I think the third thing is just like now starting a community where people want to support small brands. I think like that is like a huge pain point that people want to but they don't know where to. And also they don't trust. Yeah. Right. So how do we actually get people's like kind of guards down to be like, hey, if you order this, it will come. It
0: will, it will (laughs) come. Yeah. Like (laughs) Kickstarter, Indiegogo. It's like Cross your fingers. Cross your fingers. It may
1: happen, right? We want to be like, hey, if it's at the Flourish Factory, you know it's going to come to you, but also you know it's going to be quality.
0: I I ordered on Indiegogo and Kickstarter and stuff hasn't come in in the years that i've used it so it is it is a, a thing and so your main business model is transactions is that yeah. right yeah, yeah. The transaction fees yeah and one thing i was going to share is i just went through y combinators digital version of their startup school um it's funny because i went to the very first startup school so it was kind of fun to see how they did it digitally and they talked about their biggest profit generators were marketplaces yeah they had the fewest that succeeded at it it's a very hard business but of the ones that succeeded they were the most profitable
1: yeah yeah it's been interesting so i read um i've been reading like andrew chen's book on a little bit about yeah. that um in terms of like marketplaces and i think um there's i think marketplaces have an opportunity right but like like we know they're very hard to get that cold start to jump on yeah yeah right um and so so half of it you have to kind of leverage in your own self right so like I have to leverage my own network, right? So, like, some a lot of those purchases were my friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just calling people, be like, "Hey, I think I, you need this." So you got it you know in what the I mean? beginning, oh, exactly. And so I think that that's been interesting. And I think I didn't, I didn't know I was going to jump into the uh, building out a marketplace. I liked to at first I was like, "It's curated e-commerce," you know. But at the end of the day, it's a marketplace.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Okay, what's a huge challenge that you successfully overcome, and how did you overcome it?
1: A huge challenge, trying to figure out how we would qualify brands
0: Mm. was a
1: huge challenge, right? Because we had to figure out, like, I think I'm very much like a come one, come all type of person, you know? And I think that it was more of like, hey, we have to have some type of quality, but also at the same time be able to like help these brands in the process. Right. So like looking at that actual like uh, brand journey of how they onboard with us. And if they don't onboard with us, how do we give them feedback? Right. I think that that's kind of leveraging a little bit on on my background. Um, in, in, In TA, it was like, okay, like I think everyone deserves feedback. I yeah. think that, like, if you're if you're mixing the market somewhere, that, like, and that's very difficult to give. Yeah. You know, and so, like, um so typically I think that was one of the things that we had to sit as a team and put things together and be like, okay, like, how do we actually want to make sure that every brand that we come into contact feels respected, feels valued, but at the same time we do have to have a bar. Yeah. You know.
0: So I have a personal question because I understand elements of so many different portions of your business, and your business is hard. It's hard in the sense, like, you have all these relationships. You're very heart driven, so you're leading it with care, which makes it harder, yeah. I think. So you have all these brands that you have relationships with. Then you have the audience you're cultivating, and then you have running the operations of, of the marketplace itself, and then you you have like all the things, like so many things. Yeah. How do you stay sane? Like it's a <laughs> lot. Like your business, I, I am asking you. Like your business has a lot of moving pieces yeah. and emotions and just it's a lot it's a lot business (laughs) yeah yeah
1: it, it definitely is i think it's um i think part of it was like uh when i had read that book it was telling me just about sometimes you have to compartmentalize it you're essentially running two businesses yeah you know at times right yeah, so the yeah, way yeah. that we're approaching our brands is not the way we're approaching our customers totally brand. and so you have to approach it that way yeah right and so sometimes and i try to time block a little bit but like in the morning here's what i'm focused on this stuff and of course mm. if there's a fire you can't do that we all know that right but i think that it's like waking up in the morning and approaching it like that like hey i have to handle both these audiences with care you know and so eventually it'll turn into a bigger community but handling those um with care and i think it's yeah it's, it's a lot of compartmentalizing i don't think i do it the greatest at times right i think yeah. we all struggle i'm um, really trying to get things together, but more tangible things is like just compartmentalizing my time and being like, okay, like for these, you know, I think anyone that's like kind of an entrepreneur and you're, you're at a small startup, it's just like, Hey, for these three hours, I'm going to be the onboarding person, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and like, that's just who I am and I can't put any other hat on, you know, I have to sit in that. And I think that that's difficult at times, you know, because it's like, Oh, I want to go do this or like, this is not the best thing that I want to be doing right with my time. but. I think that, like, when you value that it's important and you kind of can push that, I think that's that's where the value, I find the value. It's just like, hey, I'm going to be this person for now. Like, I walk into the house and I'll be like, yeah, I was a sales guy today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just what it is. And then the next day, hey, you know, I'm, I'm working with the dev, and it's just so, yeah. So and I, and I think that's fun, too.
0: And transferring from Asana, I mean, it's a startup, but it's a corporate, right? Like, it's an established startup. So transferring from the stability of Asana to... Full blown startup life where it's like, ah, what would you say is the main reason that it's like a hell yes?
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I think um, the hell yes was like this is what I wanted way before because when I got to San Francisco, I worked at two other startups that were like the one of the startups was just like literally like twelve people. And yeah, we were just like we were. 12 people two rooms we were just getting it going you know trying to make it happen and so I think that being at Asana and then when I got to Asana we were about 400 people so I got to see them at the 400 people and then now they're a little under 2,000 so I got to see like that scale right so I got to see it so I've got to I've got to seen um startups and companies that like various different levels you know and so this is the first time where obviously it's just i'm the first person through the door and so i think it's a hell yes because i believe in it
0: yeah
1: you know i also just believe in the experience Mm. you know so that's why it's also a hell yes for me it's like this is the experience that i wanted i wanted to try to see if i can actually add value to the world right from scratch
0: and have you raised
1: no no i have not okay yeah
0: So, and do you have plans on raising? Yeah.
1: So the goal is right now is to essentially just um, kind of get um, get out of beta, like put out another MVP, kind of test that a little bit and then start raising uh, probably like the end of the fall.
0: And if you had one ask of the community, there's so many people listening, something that we could do to support you and your success, what would that ask be?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, I think the question here would be like one, um, kind of check us out on our social platforms, Instagram, um, TikTok. Um, The other support would be like if you know of any brands that you think that you really like of small brands. friends families right refer them to us i think that'd be super important and also if hey if anyone's like you know looking to give out some pre-seed checks you got my email
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know she goes by marie avi on instagram but you know who did the bracelets at the summer series she might be perfect right yeah
1: exactly so when you when i saw her i said oh there we go right and i think that these people are amongst us these people are here right and so like yeah if i think it's about like trying to now build that community on, on the brand side yeah
0: What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten to propel your career? Ooh,
1: that's good. That's good. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Um, one of them was, um, and this was like an Asana value, it was like uh, be okay with, ex- don't accept false trade-offs, mm. right? And so I think that then this is more of like when you're, when you're having a conversation with someone or you're collaborating with them, at times two things can be right. Ah. You know, and you have to kind of understand that at times because sometimes you're driving your point, yeah, and you're not listening to the other person's point. Mm. And two things can be correct, you know. So how do you kind of be able to take that back and be like, okay, like I don't have to, f- I don't have to, tr- we don't have to trade these things off. They both of them can be correct, yeah. You know. And the second thing, and I, this one like really rocked me was like, because um, when we had a lot of stakeholders and working with people, don't say no.
0: Mm.
1: Always talk about what the outcome is going to be. Mm. so then you can have a more honest conversation
0: mm.
1: with yourself and with the person, mm. right? So within your career, it's like, hey, that's I need you to do this and do this and this, and like you could be like, no, right? But then that becomes more of a combative right, right, right. kind of energy yeah. where it could be, hey, if I do do this, I'm not going to be able to do this, 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 and yeah. this, and it's not going to be the best. And then now it allows me space for empathy, and mm. it allows you the space to clearly let me know like, hey, like this is what this is what, you're over leveraging me. Right. And so I think that's been super helpful because um and, and I use this at the house, you know. <laughs> you know, because 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 then it allows everyone to understand where we are, right? Because sometimes you actually say that and yeah. you're like, I actually could do it. It's not gonna cost me that much. You know?
0: Such a great communication tactic. I I used it unknowingly about a year ago because I was practicing boundary setting mm. and I didn't want to be taken advantage of. So I said like I was already set to do one thing and then someone asked me to do this other thing as well. And I said, just a heads up, if I do the other thing, I'm not going to do the first thing, which is totally fine. So would you like me to do the other thing or this thing? Which one's more important to you? Exactly. And then they're like, oh, 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 never mind. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: exactly. Right. There rather rather than just being like that hard known. I think that that just. We're makes...
0: over leveraging ourselves mm-hmm. and then not doing anything well.
1: Yeah. Very true. And so I think that allows and that builds trust. Yeah. Right. That builds trust when that people understand, like, hey, like you value your time and also at the same time that you're going to be honest with them. Yeah. Right. Rather than just like begrudgingly doing it. Totally. You know? So Totally.
0: Who is one person or company who you've come across who in L.A. who a startup that's really impressed you could be a person that works at a startup, could be a startup itself. Who's really impressed you?
1: So this is someone who I'll eventually have as a guest. And this is at a big company, right? So he works at Netflix. And it's my friend Prince, and he works for the animation studio. And I think that when he talks about the work that they're doing... For me at the time, it was very interesting because he's um, as an engineer, it's always interesting to see how people are leveraging tools and things like that. And he's really having a good time. So I think that my friend Prince was just like, hey, at first, I- I'll be honest. I was like, oh, like, are you guys actually working down there? You know, and he was just telling me about like the, the amount of innovation that they're trying to work on. So I definitely see like he's someone that I think is, is super dope. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. What is a go to restaurant in L.A.?
1: Oh, go to restaurant in L.A. for me. I got a- I got a couple of them. I got a couple. Tell of me, them. I'm
0: gonna eat it them. Okay, okay, cool.
1: <laughs> so one of the plates. So I'll give you. All right, I'll, I'll rank them. Right. So I would say, and again, I'm not born and raised in LA. So give me, give me some. Th- so Bottega Louis. Bottega Louis. Bottega Louis. Where is it? It's downtown LA. Yeah. Right, and you think you're gonna go in there? It's a very nice. It, you think it's gonna be fufu shishi, and it's like, but the food is so good. Nice. It is so good. Um, another place that I lived in Venice for what kind of food. So it's like, it's like a lot of like, it's like Italian and also American food, but they have like these, like kind of this, this rays of just like one trays and appetizers that you can order that are just like out of this world. Amazing. Like, like, and they have, and they have the macaroons that are like, they're super famous for So Bottega Louise is like one of the places I like just cause it's, it's near me. Um, another place, um, Teddy's red tacos. What? You don't like Teddy's red tacos? I don't know it. Teddy's red tacos in Venice.
0: Yo, I got to go. They have
1: the... Never heard ta- of it. Yes. Teddy's Red Tacos. So I lived in... So funny story. I lived in Venice during the like during the peak pandemic. Like, I always talk about these are scary hours. See, mm-hmm. like, it was like March was like, oh, this is happening. Then April was like, oh, the world may... What's <laughs> happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we were So me, me and my girlfriend were living in Venice at the time. And we would have Teddy's Red Tacos. And we still... If you have a day... And I, I, this, this is my LA tip. If you have a day in LA and you want to just do Venice real quick and just walk down there, walk down there, go to Teddy's Red Tacos, get you the bread, get you the whole little platter. They are oh, so good.
0: Oh, I'm so, so good. Going that's there. like that.
1: that that's, that's one of my places for sure. That's like, it, you that's said like the my platter. LA. That's what. We yeah, order? yeah. They have a platter where they give you a bunch of things, and it's just like, yeah, it's um. I'm in. That's like my comfort food. I'm in. Like whenever I'm stressed, I'm just like, I think I'm gonna go down there.
0: <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. And um and what's an activity you recommend that we do?
1: In L.A.? Like a
0: hike or a museum or anything particular, uh, any kind of activity.
1: Okay, so I got some activities here. I would say um, big downtown guy. So I'd say exploring the arts district, I think, is an underrated activity in L.A. that doesn't Mm -hmm. get enough credit. You know, because it's like, oh, this is like actually there's a lot here that you can explore from the small markets, to the different businesses to smorgasbord on Sundays. It's just like this is actually like a dope place that you can yeah. check out. The other activities I have that I really appreciate. Again, I'm a big beach guy. So yeah. I say anytime you can get to the beach down here. I think it's such a privilege. Stop playing. I think that's really great. In terms of hikes, I'm starting to get my more hikes underneath my belt. I know people are going to hate me for this, mm-hmm. but I still like running. I like running. That counts. I know it's it touristy. Counts. I know it's, it's touristy, but the thing is that, like, it is a really good workout. Yeah. You know, like, at the end of it, I always leave there being like, huh, that was good. You know? I <laughs> so should yeah. do running
0: more. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's a so good it's call It's definitely
1: always a, a really good workout. I know it's super touristy. People rag on me, but, yeah, I, I enjoy it.
0: Amazing. And um, if somebody were to land in LAX today for the startup community and they don't know anyone or what to do or how to get plugged in, what would you recommend should be some of their first moves to start to integrate into our tech culture?
1: Oh, that's cool. That's super easy. You should. Follow Esprit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really? That's really so you know, funny. That, that's the that's, that's, that's point there, right? <laughs> uh Esprit so on Twitter. Um, also, I think that for me, I also got to meet a lot of really cool people in different work. So, like, I, it's, I, I don't like to work from home like i like to work remote i don't like to work from home yeah. It's like kind of a little bit different yeah, for me. yeah, yeah. and so i think you. that like having the opportunity to work in different spaces will allow you to meet more people you know and so that's what happened that's how i was able to build out my um i guess my a lot of the people that i know within tech is like just going to these different we works asking what they work on right like and it doesn't have to be super expensive get a day pass real quick right right and, right. Then, and then just kind of check it out and i think that's that would be a huge way It's definitely follow esprit <laughs> and get a day pass that we work
0: and specifically at we are LA Tech on Twitter Please. it is true I'm like the welcome wagon for Please. like people so, moving so, out exactly like and there's
1: nothing the wrong that, <laughs> that is that, there's value in that and, and we love that you know
0: any last thoughts for everybody listening?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, thank you, Esprit. I think that's the last thought is I really <laughs> appreciate you uh, allowing me to tell my story. Of um, get the word on the Flourish Factory out and everything that you do for LA Tech. And I think that I'm um, looking forward to um, continuing the, um, our experience through LA Tech. And yeah. It's How can dope.
0: people connect with you?
1: Oh, you can connect with me um, via email, fred at com'm Also, I'm on uh, Twitter, freddiddy.com. Underscore, I need to change that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then on Instagram, you can connect with me. I'm pretty active on there, too. It's, a, it's Flourish Factory, Fred.
0: Thank you for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast and for being our future podcast guest host. I'm so excited to connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the Los Angeles tech community. Remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at We Are LA Tech. I will see you in the next episode. Bye.
1: Later. Hey, everyone, this is Fred Matthew, the founder and CEO of The Flourish Factory, a curated marketplace for small brands based in downtown L.A. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech.